On this episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, we have Dan Bell. Dan is the general manager of Green Diamond Gallery in Cincinnati, Ohio. Green Diamond Gallery is essentially the second best thing outside of Cooperstown for baseball fans. Um, It's packed with game-worn jerseys from over 100 Hall of Famers, over 600 signed baseballs. They've had over 42 Hall of Famers come and speak there. Um, It's a private club that not many people even in Cincinnati know about. It's incredible. It's one of the the best places I've ever been to. I've been to Cooperstown, and in a sense, I kind of like it more because it's more small and inclusive. Um, Each month, they bring in a new speaker to come and talk to their members. It's a good deal. If you're ever interested in joining, uh, please contact Dan at 513-984-4192. So hope you guys enjoy this episode, and make sure to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Welcome to Patrick Jones Baseball. I am Patrick Jones, former professional baseball player and host of this podcast. My day job is a podcaster and my night job is a baseball instructor. I am currently giving hitting and pitching lessons for all ages. If interested, please email me at jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode and let's get to work. We are now live with Dan Bell, general manager at Green Diamond Sports Gallery here in Montgomery, off Montgomery Road, yep. Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, Dan, this place is pretty incredible, man. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, called like a mini Cooperstown. It, uh, and it really is. And I, I've actually been to Cooperstown, and I kind of like this in a sense more because it's so small but so packed with... You're uh, not the first one to say that. Okay. We've, we've heard that many times. And it's easier to get to. <laughs> It's yeah. really a lot easier to get to than, than there's no easy way to get to Cooperstown. So, no. uh, and this is, you know, the home of uh, professional baseball. We're, uh, we're glad to, to have it here. It's, it's I went incredible. to, I went to Moeller right down the road. Never in a million years did I think that this, this type of place was, was here. Um, can you give us some background on this place? Yes. So it's uh, all one man's collection. There's over a hundred game worn jerseys, uh, throughout the facility, uh, actually game worn hall of fame jerseys. Uh, so not just reproductions. Um, we've got over 20 Babe Ruth autographs, um, probably close to 4,000 items here hanging in the, on the walls and on the ceiling um, from probably close to 250 game-used bats. Uh, we've got a bat from all the members of the 500 Home Run Club game-used bat. We've got, uh, I mean, you name it. We've got a Shoeless Joe Jackson uh, signature, which is, like, totally rare. You don't, you know, that, uh, there's I'm probably sure that's about worth a, some money. That's worth some, some Jack. There's, uh, only like a dozen or so that's, I believe about a dozen or so that's been fully authenticated. Um, reason being he was illiterate, couldn't read, couldn't write. So his uh, wife basically taught him how to sign his name. Um, if somebody asked for his autograph in person, it would, he would generally just do a quick X. Um, so that's really not a valid signature. Um, but on a legal document, Joe couldn't use an X. He actually had to sign his name and his wife couldn't do it for him. So really the only way to, authenticate a Shoeless Joe Jackson signature as if it's on a legal document. We happen to have one that's on a bail bond. Uh, it was to get his brother out of jail back in like 1914 uh, for, I think it was for $400. That How do you guys get worth. this type of stuff? Uh, it's through auction house, uh, certain auction houses. Um, and it's a t- pretty tight knit community when you collect at this magnitude. So a lot of guys know what each other have. Um, 
So it's kind of one of those you're waiting for the guy to maybe want to sell some of his uh, collection. So he's able to pick it up that way. Uh, but it's been a process. It's uh, Our owner uh, started collecting as a little kid, and it just grew and grew and grew and took up you know, his bedroom and then his basement and then storage units, and it got so big. It's kind of like, well, I need to either put it in one central location or find something else to do. Right. So uh, came up with the idea to create the uh, Green Diamond Gallery um, and house his collection here. How long have you been here for? Uh, it'll be five years, just about five years. Five years? Yeah. So when you are deciding on like what items that you want to bring here, or is that something you do? Or is I do not. Owner? He collects. He's the, he owns all the collections. So if he looks at... If he sees something that he wants and he thinks it can fit a category, he goes and he purchases it and it arrives at our door and then I have to figure out how to where to put it. Where to put it. Yeah. And then but you're in charge of getting um, all the players here for I you take guys part have speeches, of that. Yes. Right? Yeah, every month. So we have a membership here where it's a private facility, kind of like a country club, golf country club. Um, so the members what they sign up for is our uh, annual membership. It's called the Right Society and every month we bring in a notable from the game to come to speak to our group of members and we eat and drink, have a good time. Um, and that's, so that's really what they're signing up for at the monthly speaker events. So like, for instance, we've got Sean Casey coming uh, in February, um, Rafael Palmero, uh, March, Dave Stewart in April, um, Larry Boa in May uh, on down and actually September, Roger Clemens, which will be, Whoa. yes, exactly. Yeah, we got to get Roger on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm, I've seen the guy in person once and he was, like a square, like a giant tree, like shaped like a square, like a Lego man, you know, like, yeah, he, he just, he just probably the biggest human being I've, I've seen maybe outside of Dave Winfield. And then how many hall of famers have you guys brought here? 40, 42. We've had 42, uh, Cooperstown hall of famers through the door. Um, most recent I think was, uh, uh, was it Randy Johnson, the big unit, which was great. Interesting about Randy. I guess he doesn't like to do a lot of public speaking in front of groups, I guess, large groups. Um, so he comes in and he grabs something to eat, grabs a drink and he's walking around and it's about time for the event to start. And I, I'm trying to find him to put the, uh, the, the Pell on him and I'm like, where, how, how can I lose Randy Johnson, yeah. a six foot 10 guy in here? Like, why can't I find Randy Johnson? So I find him in a corner drinking his beer and he's staring at the ceiling kind of looking back and forth and he looks nervous. So I walk up, Hey Randy. And I spook him, and he kind of jumps, oh, hey, hey, what's going on? I said, hey, I just need to get the wireless mic on you. So said, okay, and he looks at me dead in the eyes, and he says, how many people are here? <laughs> I said, about 80. So okay, though, that's not too bad. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I, I'm just afraid I'm going to get up there, and I'm, I'm going to blank. I might blank. What do I do? And I said, well, but if I gave you some, some spikes and a glove and threw you out in front of 50,000 people at Game 7 World Series, bring it on. He said, bring it on. I'd much rather do that than go up and talk. Jeez. I don't know what people want to hear. And it's like you're Randy Johnson. You just go up there and talk about anything. That, that's what I told him. I said, just, you can say whatever you want. You can, you can make things up, Randy. It doesn't matter. People are just glad you're here. Um, but he got to the podium and was at home, and he just started rolling, and Q&A was great. And, uh, I mean, he, you know, it was probably an hour and a half he was at the podium just going on and on. Well, and, I think what's so cool about this place, and I, I was, you know, I'm glad you brought up it being like a country club, private is – I went to school, uh, Moeller High School, which is right down the road here. It's where Kangerfee Jr. went, Barry Larkin went. Um, I went. Yeah, that's where yes, you went. That's yeah, right. you know, yeah. I even had my high school coach, Tim Held. He came on the podcast. And um, never in a million years did, would I ever never. think that this never. was here. Because right. you guys really, it's so private. You don't really, 
um, advertise or market market a ton. Um, Is that something that would you want to market it more or is it something that you just do what you're told for the owner? It's kind of both. It's a tough, you don't want to market it too much because it's, we're looking for specific people, specific people to join um, and to use the facility. We don't want to open it up to the general public um, when there's a lot of valuable stuff here. Um, it's like opening up a so. jewelry store and just have people, you know, and we don't have the, uh, we have security, but we don't have the, the employees to handle that type of operation. Um, with me being the only employee, uh, if you were to do that, you would need somebody at the door, probably two people at the door, someone else walking the grounds as we're open, and then, you know, myself or another person to handle some administrative things. So, um, so we like to keep the doors closed. And you're right, from the street, you would have no idea. And, you know, I had, uh, I'd walked by this building a dozen times before I finally uh, made my way in through a job interview. And I knew it was related to baseball, and I grew up playing baseball. I love baseball. My family's been involved in baseball for, you know, as long as I can remember. And those doors were always locked, and I'd peep through the door and can't see anything. You can't really see anything. can't yeah. see anything at all. So I just figured it was nothing. Like, yeah, it must just be something baseball, but it must be nothing. And I'd, you know, go up to Montgomery Inn or, you know, Stone Creek and have some dinner. Um, finally got my job interview and I came in and I had to, I had to take a time out before the interview. I said, I need five minutes, just five minutes to, to hold my breath or catch my breath because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm speechless. I would never be, you know, this place is, it's just unbelievable. What, uh, what, are the, what are the, some of the things that you enjoy most about this place? Is there a specific item that you love the most or is there... Like I'm, I'm about to go, go around here and just play, like try and play with like Baby Ruth's bat for a little bit. I mean, that, that, that's that's the coolest thing is you know it's it's Baby Ruth's bat. It's it's right there. You know, I we could open that up and you could hold it. Right. Yeah, we could we could absolutely do that. Yeah. So I mean, some of the jerseys I, I've been tempted to put them on and <laughs> you know snap some photos, but I'm afraid my arm would rip through it. And uh, some of these jerseys, like the Lou Gehrig jersey we have from 1938, that is invaluable i mean it's uh, i don't even i can't even put a price tag on it i've heard estimates priceless. i've heard estimates and it my head almost exploded are and you it, allowed to say what's the highest uh, i would say the garrick how much the, do you think that's a lot hundred thousand five hundred thousand i mean a million maybe it could be depending on who wants it it could be it could easily go for that much a million it could i mean i'm not saying it, it would but i'm saying it's there's certainly people out there I bet that shoeless uh, Joe Jackson signature isn't for his, for an cheap. autograph. That's that's got to be up cheap. there. Yeah, it's nowhere near a jersey. No, nowhere near a jersey. Um, and then next to that is a, a Jackie Robinson from '48, so his second season. And there's only like five of those Jackie Robinson jerseys that exist, and that's uh, what, like the second earliest. I think there was. I think his rookie jersey uh, was just found and sold at auction like a year or so ago for like one point five million or something like that. One point three. Yeah. Incredible. Who's your favorite um, speaker who's come here? I usually say the last person that was here because they're all incredible. Like John Cruck was absolutely, he was exactly what you would expect. He just told it like it was. He didn't BS you. And he was hilarious in his, you know, when he was telling the story. Um, Raleigh Fingers was really good. He was just at Sports Day. Yeah. 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 And Raleigh was, I didn't know what to expect with Raleigh because getting him here, was difficult uh 
his flights had changed and he wasn't happy about some things. So finally, when he arrived, I was just like, man, is he, is he up to this? You know, and he blew, he, he was awesome. He was fantastic. Yeah. Um, who else have we, uh, I mean, Pete Rose was Pete. Yeah. Pete can tell the same story over and over again. And it's always funny. Um, Sean Casey, we've had him, we had him, uh, about six years ago, seven years ago. He's actually coming back in, in next Wednesday. He'll be our first repeat. What like, is that? February 7th, 7th, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, gosh, you know, there's, uh, Mark Grace was fantastic. Um, Dan Plesak was, there's so many, so many good ones. Um, even like Tom Verducci, you know, the, uh, uh yeah. sports writer, mm-hmm. he was incredible. We've had, he, and we've had, uh, uh, Ken Rosenthal, both of them, the insight of like why certain deals are happening and who, why a trade works for this team and not that team. And it, the insight just blew me away. Like, I like it that you guys have, it's not just players though. You'll bring in like, you know, Tom Verducci right. or Ken Rosenthal to so your, you're getting people. You're giving people access to all sides of the game, right? Not just. And it's just kind of like what, like what I liked. What I'm doing essentially here is I'm bringing on players, current big leaguers, former big leaguers, minor leaguers, you know, college, whatever. Because oh. just you just try broadcasters. Then you yeah. name, yeah, you name it. You, yeah, yeah. We so, had umpires, and you know, get their their you know side of of the, of the oh, game. Oh, I bet they've heard is, some stuff. Oh yeah. Managers. Oh my gosh. Some between managers and umpires, those are probably the two best. You know that we like types of. I mean, players are always great, but those, you know, the the managers and the umpire bring a different, different set of eyes to the game, and and, and the stories are are some of the best. What's your favorite story? Wow. Or do you have any? A couple stories that are. Um, oh, man, I mean, there's a few that are probably my favorite. I'm not sure I I can share. You'd have to um, ask for permission first. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah um, a good John Cruck, he, it wasn't necessarily a story, but it was just a funny, it was typical John Cruck, witty and, and uh, quick. So he was talking about, uh, it, at every event, at every speaker, somebody always asks about uh, steroids, you know, what do you, what do you think of guys who did steroids? Should they be in the Hall of Fame? Um, so somebody brought up steroids to John Cruck, and he's like, I, obviously I I didn't do it. And he's like, I lost, you know, I had cancer, and I'd, I was going to, you know, like, no, I just, look at me. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather have a beer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he's talking about, he's like, but you look at a guy like Barry Bonds, who he's like, he's probably the best baseball player of our generation prior to using steroids. He said, and then you pump him full of steroids. Then he looks like the Incredible Hulk. And then you give him HGH. And he says, and apparently that can help your vision. So he goes, now you got Incredible Hulk with incredible, you know, hand-eye coordination. And now he's got eagle-eye vision. He said, well, what do you think is going to happen, you know? And uh, someone in our crowd pipes up. He says, John, how's your vision? And John, quick as can be, most nights blurry. So, I mean, that was just a good little, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's side, awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, um, so who is the ideal member that you're looking for? So we're looking for, you know, just your, your baseball fan. Um, you know, that uh, obviously it's a, a, a private club and there's a membership expense involved. Um, so you have that to deal with. Um, but it's, it's a great group of guys that meet every month. And, you know, for... For your money, it's twenty four hundred dollars a year for your first year, two thousand after that. Um, but for that, for your money, you get an event every month. We bring in, you know, like I said, uh, guys like Roger Clemens, and you know, we've had forty two Cooperstown Hall of Famers. What more do you want? Exactly, exactly. And you get to hear them share their story, um, and not the story that you read in the paper, 
it's like the clubhouse story, you know, it's, it's the good stuff. It's the juice. Um, and then you get to eat and drink and, you know, hang out with the guys. Um, so, so they just email you. Yeah, they can, they can reach me. Uh, they can email me at Dan at green dot com or, uh, give us a call. Our office is uh five, one, three, nine, eight, four, four, one, nine, two. And it's easy. Forty one ninety two. That's the number everybody, every Cincinnati baseball fan is familiar with. Uh, are you are you a big Reds fan? Do you go to oh yeah Reds a lot of Reds games um, and stuff? You know, I I I try to go to a few each year. I've been spoiled. Our owner has diamond seats, so now that I've experienced that, it's hard for me to go and sit up in the. You're the living nose. the good life. Yes, yeah. So I'll go on occasion when uh, our owner uh, happens to offer the tickets. Uh, but uh, yeah, I can't get my wife to go anymore unless unless we've got the yeah, good unless seats. The diamond seats. Yes, yeah. Man, I just I, looking around this place right now while we're doing this interview. You know, uh, Green Diamond Sports Gallery in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's just it's just incredible. I mean, if if you have the chance to come here, I would def highly highly recommend it if you're a baseball fan. Um, the speakers you guys bring in, I mean, they're they're top notch. I, I mean, mean, how can you not? There's nowhere else in the country really no. that is doing this and that you can experience. You know, seeing your your childhood uh, uh, heroes. Yeah, I mean, from that to yeah, we had, we had Dick Enberg in uh, about a little a little over a year ago. Incredible. I mean, uh, you know, God rest his soul. He was phenomenal, phenomenal. I've got a good Dick Enberg story. All right, let's hear it. I'm not sure if this will make the air, but it's it's pretty yeah, good. We'll see. Uh, so he used to do he used to handle the uh, calling the I guess play by play or whatever with tennis at Wimbledon, and he had uh, another fellow with him that helped him, and then Chris Everett as well, the female uh, former tennis player. And uh, uh, Dick was saying that, you know, he said, I guess where they used to sit at the Wimbledon, the center court, it was kind of like underground, this little underground bunker. And he said, you could basically only fit like three butts. You know, there was like three little stools and you sat there and we'd have to squeeze in. So he said, we would always squeeze Chris Everett in between us. He said, because she was an attractive lady. Um, He said, and I was recently recently uh, divorced. So I had asked one of our cameramen, you know, I, I didn't want to approach her and offend anybody. So I asked one of our cameramen what was going, you know, if she was seeing anybody, Chris Everett was. Uh, so he goes, he says, hey, what's the deal with Chris Everett? He said, oh, you, you, you know, you want to, you want to uh, have, you know, hang out, see Chris Everett. He said, well, let me tell you, Dick, the line is long to get to Chris, <laughs> but it moves fast. <laughs> it, it just... That's you know, awesome. Yeah. Like, wow. I didn't, yeah, never expected to hear that out of Dick Emberg's mouth, but it was, uh, yes, pretty, pretty funny. I see Tony Gwynn's jersey up there. Did yeah. you guys ever get the chance? No. I, well, I guess that was, not. that was, he passed, well, yeah. Our, well, it's yeah. been a few years. Yeah. It's been, a, been a few years. Before you were here, probably. Yes. Before my time. And actually, Tony Gwynn and John Cruck were roommates when they, when he got drafted with the Padres. So John, he said, grew up in West Virginia. He said, there wasn't, much diversity at all has has to go like eight different flights to get to somewhere in like Washington or somewhere, you know, Northwest United States, um, has to take a taxi to get to his crappy hotel, gets there. It's like midnight walks in the door and it's Tony Gwynn. He has no idea, but he's like, it's a black guy, you know? And he said, Tony, just like, Hey John, how are you doing? How are you? He said, he knew everything about me already. He said, that's how, just how Tony Gwynn was. He knew everything before anybody else. Like, he was, he was on the ball, and that's what made him such a good player. He was just, his dedication to, 
Did you see that documentary? Or I don't think it's come out yet. There's one MLB Network about Tony Gwynn. And um, uh, I don't think it's even come out. I don't know if it's come out yet or not, but it looks really good. Gives some kind of insight into how how he was just ahead of his time from the video analysis. That's exactly what John said. He said John would, he would tell John what the guy was going to throw to John. Like he would, he was like my coach, you know, or he was John's coach. He's going to throw you a two-two slider on the outside. You got, you know, and then or he or he'd say, you know, if John would get out and Tony would say, "I'm, I'm, this game's over." Like, what? Do you, how do you know this game's over? He's, I'm going to get the count to one-one. And last time we got the count to one-one, he threw an inside. You know, he knew the pitch. He knew what the p- pitcher was going to throw. So he was he was ready for it all the time. And like you said, he was he studied. I guess he just studied. He knew everything, every pitch sequence that you know every pitcher is you know that he ever faced. Just over the past year here, how many? What? Who? So, can you remember on the top of your head how many or the speakers over the past year who have been here? Oh gosh, um, I can. I don't know if it's top year. I can rattle off uh, some names. Um, we've had Daryl Strawberry, Jim Edmonds, uh, Ned Yost, um, Jack McKeon, of course, uh, John Cruck, um, Tom Verducci. Trying to, they all just blend together. Um, well, uh, Randy Johnson. Oh, that um, was this past year. Uh, yes. Yep. Uh, Randy Johnson, and we had um, um, coach for uh, uh, the Pirates. Uh, oh, Clint, Clint Hurdle. Hurdle. Clint Hurdle. Hey, Clint Hurdle. Um, Are the Hall of Famers a little bit different when they speak compared to everybody else, or when like when you're reaching out to them or talking to them? No, no, not no. really. I sometimes but, I just I'm just curious in terms of like you hear about you know egos and things like that, especially like a Hall of Famer. A little bit different than everybody else. I, I, I will say not really dealing with them, you know, just their ego. But I will say they, there's like a common denominator with some of these guys that the, the OCD, like to of their craft, to be the absolute best. It's like, it, you know, it separates them from myself or like, like you, you know, for guys who thought they were real good at baseball. And then there's, you know, there's the Johnny Bench. There's, you know. Uh, Oral Hershiser, who's not a Hall of Famer, but his dedication to his craft, it was just off the charts. Like, that's all their focus is, is that. And it's like, if you're not here to help me, then I don't care if you're my mother. If you're not going to help me, then get out of my way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to settle for being good. I'm here to be the best. And that's, that was like their only focus. It's, yeah, when, when they talk, you can really hear that. And how, like, uh, for instance, Oral Hershiser was explaining how he went to, I forget if it was like Adidas or Nike, whoever made his shoe, um, and he had him change the bottom of, I guess, the spike, how the spikes were lined up on the bottom of his cleat. It was so he could, I guess, use the rubber, pitching rubber, as leverage to either throw inside or outside. He would use the cleat pattern to adjust and throw inside or outside. And a guy like me, I would just... I was just like, yeah, I'll just, you know, yeah, I'll dig another little yeah. hole near the rubber and I'll use that, you know. But no, it's like the, just the, the, the attention to detail with these guys is second to none. It, it really is, you know. So when you do you like have to pick them up from the airport and bring them here? Either I will. Or we have, you know, ground transportation to service that that. The, we'll, and we'll, so they give a speech here. Then mm-hmm. they go. Then you, they fly out that night. Yeah. That usually night. the next morning is uh, they'll fly out. They usually come in. You, you try to get them in the day before the event and then uh, they come. Uh, if they're here, we'll have lunch. They'll show them the gallery, and then uh, they'll go back and, and get ready and come back. 
So if you're a member here and you're listening to them talk, are you allowed to ask like any type, any type of question? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Whatever. Unless the speaker says, Hey, I prefer you not like Randy Johnson said before the event, he goes, is someone going to ask about the bird? <laughs> and I said, you're probably, yeah. And he go, and it was when he was here, it was the anniversary of his game against the Reds when he struck out 20 guys. And he's like, somebody's going to ask about that bird. He goes, I bet nobody asks about that game. That have you know when I struck out twenty guys, everybody wants to hear about the darn bird. And he did say, he "Goes, do you mind if, if somebody asks that question? I'm gonna not. I'm not gonna answer. I'm not gonna talk about the bird. I'm done talking about the bird." So somebody did. So he said, "What? You, what going through your mind when you hit that bird?" He said, "I'm not talking about the bird." Next question. <laughs> so, but if, you know, kind of joked it off, and it wasn't. Uh, but it'll be interesting when Rafael Palmero comes in. That's going to be a good one because well, he's 50, 53, 53 so yeah. trying to make a comeback. Yeah. I'm not I, sure what he's thinking. I'm, I don't see a team out there outside of the Orioles that would invite them, invite him in. I mean, why? I know the Orioles like – from what I've heard, the Orioles like to – No, I know. I just meant from my own organization. No, standpoint. I don't understand. So why? why? If I was a young player and they bring in Rafael Palmero and he's taking at-bats or ground balls away from me – what then? What am I? You know, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. Unless yeah. it's just a, a publicity stunt. I mean, for him, I would say the Atlantic League independent baseball. That would be go for it. Go for it, and they would they would like that because they're they, you know they love publicity and right. There's a lot of ex big leaguers who play in the Atlantic Ricky? League. Anyway. Yeah, I think Ricky, Ricky did for a little yeah. bit. Um, I don't I don't know if it was the Atlantic League. He w- he played in some indie ball yeah. though. There's been a couple guys, but yeah, I just I don't understand what he's trying to know. do there. Um, yeah. I know Clemens actually played in the Atlantic League for a little bit. Did he? Yeah, I remember his son played for yes. Sugar, Sugar Land. They, 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 yeah. Yep. And so he got to pitch, and which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it's if a major league Raphael t- understands there's this thing uh, called you eventually will go downhill. There's thing, you know, Father Time is undefeated. And I, <laughs> yeah. saw, I saw his uh, a couple of swings online. Yeah. And he's still got, you know, swing, oh, swing. Lefty, the lefty swing. Right. Yeah. But, you know, after you hit the ball, you, you still have to run. That's right. So right. I don't. But <laughs> but I tell you what, that's going to be a great speech. That'll be an interesting it, one. I, it, I'm interested to see because every event, steroids gets brought up. And Obviously, so they, they're willing to talk about it? Well, I, I don't know yet. That's why he may be one that says, hey, you can ask me anything, but not that. He might, he might not. I hope he's open to answering the questions. I mean, I think enough time has passed. I'm just curious. Like, it's water under the bridge. Let's move forward and tell your story. Why not? Yeah. You don't, we're not telling you to be Jose Canseco and write a book about it and try, you know, throw everybody under the bus. Just let's talk about it, you know. That would be pretty cool. Uh, same thing with Roger Clemens when he comes yes. in September. Yeah. Um, that would be that's going to be really cool. Very good. Yeah, he's going to be incredible. I mean, he's he's like a you know a superhuman. I'm trying to think. You told me earlier some other Hall of Famers who have spoken here. Um, I mean, Don Sutton. Um, I mean, there's so many. We could walk out. I don't know if we can walk, but at that. Uh, okay. Yeah, we've got a display that has all the Hall of Famers that have been here. All 42. I'm trying to. I mean, Johnny Bench, Johnny of course. Bench. Johnny's a good friend of our owners. Um, Actually, when, when the hurricane came through Florida earlier this year, uh, back, in, or back in like November of this year, uh, Johnny came and stayed. Johnny's got a house down there in Florida. He stayed. He, he and his two little sons came and stayed with our owner um, for like four or five days. Didn't his so son used close. to work here? Yeah. Yeah, Bobby. 
Yeah, his oldest right. son. Yeah, yeah. Big Bobby, six foot ten, giant. Six foot ten. He's huge. He's yeah, and very very. I mean, brilliant. Super smart guy. As very, uh, very smart I see Jose Canseco on the wall. Is, have he's, you been, ever, he's, he's been. He's been here. Yes. How was he? Um, exactly what you'd expect. He's just arrogant. Um, he was the only speaker we've had that need. We had to pay in cash. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Surprised you have to pay uh, Pete in cash. Well, yeah. Uh, we pay. I don't know how we paid Pete. Um, yeah, Pete's Pete. Yeah, yeah. Pete's Pete. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, Mark McGuire. Never had him, but would love to. Sammy Sosa. No, I don't think we'd like to. I think he would be be a bomb. Yeah. Just I don't his English. Yeah. No, there's that barrier there. Um, I think I think you got a small. I see John Smoltz. We're working on Smoltz. You got a shot at him. Yeah, we're yeah we've been working on Smoltz as well as a Pedro. Pedro Pedro Martinez, who I've heard would be incredible. Um, His English is decent. So it's good enough. Yeah, yeah, it it would certainly work. We've had worse. Um, And Craig Biggio is another one who, from what I've heard, is just uh, just outstanding, Uh, just a a gentleman. And then Jim Tomey, who uh, I met years ago. when my, my uncle was a bench coach with the Indians. So I got, I went up there. This was like a 97, 96, something like that. Um, got up there, uh, got to wear his uniform for uh, during batting practice. So I was out there shagging fly balls. Um, it was the most incredible experience. Um, but anyway, so I go down into the locker room and my uncle was introducing me to some of the players and Jim Tomey's sitting there in a little chair and he's like, Hey Jim, I want you to introduce uh, uh, you to, to my nephew. And Jim turns around and stands up and, huge Jim Tomey is a beast but like the nicest guy ever I mean he shook my hand it was like shaking a pillow you know just like a gentle giant and uh, I remember Buddy was saying that he, Jim's just a, a true gentleman um, but he was he was incredible. I've heard many stories about Jim and uh, yeah from all, all intents and purposes he's, he's just he's uh, incredible I think he's with the White Sox now yes he does some yeah. I don't know what his he was is. I know he was I know then he was with MLB Network that's right yes so he's um, not doing that. I anymore. don't think he's with uh, the White Sox anymore. Oh, he's not. I don't think so. I thought he was. Maybe he is. Maybe. Maybe he went back. He could have. Um, I know he. I thought he was with the White Sox and went to MLB. Then maybe he did go back, or maybe he was with the MLB and then went to the White Sox. I guess when you're Jim Tomey, you can just do whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just mean, take you where where the wind blows and let it. Yeah. What's the biggest bat you guys have gotten here? Do you know? Uh, you know, I would probably say. I mean, the Babe Ruth bat is huge. Um, and then we've got Cal Ripken's bat is gigantic. Was it like 35 inches? Yeah. It's long as can be. I don't know if we can see it from, I think it's on the other side there, Maybe but 30... it's, it's, it's huge. We should put it next to Tony Gwynn's bat because Tony Gwynn, the, Tony Gwynn's was like the smallest one. Yeah. Oh, it's tiny. It's like 31 inches, 31 and a half inches or something like that. Yeah. I wonder what Cal's is. It's probably 35. 35. Yeah, yeah, 35. Uh, but uh, we have a Shoeless Joe bat, and that was, I don't know how long, but it was 40, it was either 40.2 ounces or 42 ounces. What? How do you even get around to making a I have no idea. contact with the ball? I'd, I'd, wow. Yeah. You know, I think if you, would, if you could get Barry Bonds here. <laughs> that Barry, would be. Yeah. Barry Bonds, I, Alex Rodriguez, I see. A-Rod, yeah. That could be. Possible, yeah. you know. I guess we're maybe we're trying J- to, maybe J Lo would be coming J- too. You know, that would be great. I would love to see J Lo. Yeah, J Lo yeah. and A Rod together. Please, yeah, J Lo can come early if she wants. 
hang out with Dan. We'll, we'll turn on some music for her, and uh, we'll dance. Man, this place is incredible. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to do this interview, and I'm, I'm going to go play with you know, Babe Ruth's bat for a little bit, yeah. you know, just hide out for a little bit. But again, Dan, I really appreciate you, uh, you coming on today. Green Diamond Sports Gallery at Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, on Montgomery Road, right by Montgomery Inn. Um, $2,400 a year, 12 speakers. You guys have had over 42 Hall of Famers come here to yep, speak. Yep. Um, incredible. Oh, Sean, awesome. I mean, Roger Clemens is coming in September, yeah. and Rafael Palmeiro is coming in uh, March, yeah. I think he said. Yes. So, yep. I mean, it's, these, aren't, these aren't guys who are just barely, uh, barely, barely playing at all right. in the big leagues. Yeah, these aren't guys that have a, had a cup, of, you know, a cup of coffee in the big leagues. These are guys who have had uh, long careers. We try to basically focus on like the top 10% of the game, uh, the players. Um, and I think we've done a pretty good job of that. I'd, I'd so, say so. Yeah. I'd say so. So, again, man, really appreciate you coming on today, Dan. Yeah, Patrick, thank you. 